Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. The sun is peeking out. We're headed for nicer weather. Uh, Let's everybody get outdoors and have a good time. And one of the guys who's always great at telling us where we can find some of the best fishing, and if you need to, we'll even take you there and teach you about it, is Mr. Nate Zielinski from Tightline Outdoors. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing okay. I think everybody just needs to take a breath and relax, and things will be good. I'll tell you, it's uh, it's crazy how uh, how society and all of us uh, react in a little bit of panic. So there's no doubt. I think uh, I think our lifestyle of being outdoors people is uh, probably the greatest thing to be right now. Uh, avoid the avoid the stores, avoid the crowds, and get outside and do some fishing. You know. Oh, I agree. That's what I've been preaching. I I told everybody I wouldn't keep harping on it, so I'll let you do it. So- <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I'm actually down here at Bass Pro Shops for the Spring Classic. There's some amazing sales. Uh, we got seminars going on today, things like that. So definitely the the stores are open. Uh, it is pretty light traffic in here. I will say that. So it's a, it's a good time to come in, grab the gear you need and, uh, and get outside. But what a time it is. You know, I, I drove down this morning. I got a ride down actually. Um, and it's blue skies up in the mountains, conifer. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's sunny. Uh, we actually drove through the fog bank getting down here. So I was assume this is going to burn off. Um, and you know, it, it's that time of year. Cherry Creek opened for boating yesterday. Um, you know, Sapphill still has some ice, but, um, it is boating season. It's walleye season. Um, I mean, they're catching panfish down here in the front range. They're catching trout in the front range. There's still a lot of ice up in the hills. So whether you are choosing to, to be on the ice or the open water, the opportunities uh, are officially here. It's some of the best ice fishing of the season. It's some of the best spring walleye of the season. Uh, guys are catching a lot of bass kind of in those stages. So there's a lot of opportunity for, for the fishermen here in Colorado. Why don't you start with the ice? We've talked about it a little bit and what's going on. But let's give it your perspective on the ice fishing because – you know, once it gets warm down here, and we've had such often on questionable ice, especially on the front range, that people, the mindset for ice fishing has been different. But we're going to probably have some places with good ice for several weeks yet. Absolutely, Terry. You know, we were so cold there for such a long time, especially in the South Park area. Our ice conditions are holding up very well. Usually by right now, we're really starting to get soft shorelines. We're really starting to get really weak expansion cracks. Um, and right now, we are holding true very good on all of our ice. Um, you know, probably the, the biggest changing conditions is at 11 Mile. Um, they're letting some water out of spinny, so they're getting some more flow uh, through the dream sim, which is making that fly rod bite just absolutely insane. Um, but with that being said, like the Cross Creek area at 11 Mile is starting to show some signs of open waters because the current flows. But generally speaking, all your shorelines are still good. Um, I think Terry All, when I measured it last week, had 37 inches of ice. Um, so Terry All ice, it's still snow-packed, so the warm days have zero effect on that ice because the, the snow is uh, keeping that insulated. So like that type situation where you have big pike, a ton of rainbows, um, that bite's going very strong. Um, you're seeing all the species – of, of anything coming shallower right now. So your rainbows in all the fisheries are coming shallower in that pre-spawn type era. So if you've been on the ice at Antero, um, no matter what, all season, if you're going there now, 
put a focus on shallow water. I know Dustin Sigler's up there right now. Um, I believe he's catching fish in three and a half to four and a half feet. Um, so very shallow water. You could go as shallow as two feet of water right now, and you have those big fish up in that shallow water. So shallow water for the rainbows. The pike are moving shallow. The big giant lake trout are moving shallow. So if you're on the ice, um, I think your hottest bite, big rainbows are definitely a hot trick right now just because, again, they're, they're coming in shallow for that pre-spawn. Um, I think the big pike is literally one of our best seasons ever because we do have the ice to fish them late in the year. So we're going to continue to have ice for a while. Um, so I think that pike bite is going to continue to be good. Um, I know the kokanee are gathered hard at 11 miles. So if you're looking for some kokanee action to the ice, that bite is going. Um, and we've just spent a lot of time targeting those big lake trout in the last couple of days. Um, and they're going very strong. Again, they almost get antsy um, under that long ice pack. Now, they're a fall spawner. Um, so they are anxious. To, uh, they get wrapped up their spawn, start to increase in their activity level, and then the, the lake froze. Um, so those fish are getting very, very uh, aggressive under the ice and, again, moving shallower. So no matter what your species are, there's a lot of opportunity. I kind of picked those species. But, again, I think the main kind of concept I'd have in your head is shallower water. Again, as we approach these spring ice fishing conditions, um, the shallower water is definitely going to hold more fish uh, than the deeper water that you have been fishing uh, in, in the past, for yeah, sure. I think you're absolutely right. And part of it, like you said, is some fish are spawning, which even draws the other fish there to eat eggs and spawning fish. Yep. But you also get, you know, the, the oxygen levels drop in lakes during the winter. And even though the ice is good, you're starting to get some snow that melts under the ice. It flows in. And it reoxygenates that. The bugs start coming alive and shallow water. I will ask you one thing. When you're approaching those trout in shallow water, you know, when you're fishing in two to five feet of water, your electronics don't do a lot for you because you see such a small part of the bottom of the lake. But do you go to more aggressive presentations trying to draw those, visually draw those fish in? Or how do you approach 100. it? Yeah, 100%. When you're in that shallow water, the fish just can't see as far. You know, when you're in 10 foot and you're working a jig off bottom or even halfway in the water column, they can see it for a ways because it stands out. When you're in that really shallow water, you know, there's vegetation, there's structure down there, and the fish really can't see that near as far. So I don't really rely as much on scent. I definitely don't rely on the graphs. Most of them I'm not even using the graph in that shallow water. Um, so I'm all about a very aggressive stroke. So whether you're using a really flat, wide, wobbling spoon that on the drop it really walks away out of the hole, um, my favorite thing right now is chubby darters. Um, big fan of chubby darters right now. You can get those. If you really stroke that bait right, you can get that bait to, to walk in a three, four foot circle in three feet of water. Um, so those fish can see that from a long ways off and they come screaming. So I, I'm definitely about a bait, whether it's vibration, flash, or just straight up movement. Um, I'm looking for a bait that's going to pull fish in from a distance uh, to come into that area again, because the visibility is not going to be what it is in that deeper water. The bait just doesn't stand out as much. Uh, so shallow water, definitely high, high action bait. Um, and it's fun because half the time, you know, I'm working these baits so aggressively that they, they swim out of my profile. A lot of times I'm sight fishing in that shallow water. So I drill a straight hole and then I drill an angled hole so I can watch them um, and I can watch the fish come in. But a lot of times I'm stroking that bait so hard, it'll be off two, three feet to the side of my hole. Uh, but then these fish come in, it is not like it is in January or February where they're, they're biting it. Uh, this time of year, they are flat out attacking it. They about rip the rod out of your hand when they're grabbing these baits. Um, so be ready for that aggressive stroke. But work the bait hard and, and those fish will come running. And you really don't need to tip it when you're fishing it like that either. When you're doing that aggressive, absolutely not. Those fish are hitting it so hard, they're, they're not coming in 
remotely slow enough to, to where they could smell that bait uh, if you had that bait tipped or anything. So, yes, it's all about that reactionary bite this time of year for sure. All right, so I'll ask you later uh, maybe more about ice fishing, but let's start moving towards open water. What do you what are you seeing there? Oh, you broke up there for a second. Say I said, again, what do you what do you see in an open water? Open water wise, so Cherry Creek open for boating, you know, Boyd's open for boating, Jackson. We're seeing a lot of these front range reservoirs opening. Um, the two bites that I would say right now are probably the hottest. Um, Pre spawn walleye bite is going strong now in your lakes that are moving. Uh, a little ahead of time. So like your Cherry Creeks, a lot of those fish are in spawn mode right now. So, uh, you know, the wildlife, the parks of wildlife, they're doing their thing on the dam faces with nets. Um, but with that being said, a lot of those fish are moving into spawn, but capitalizing on the few fish that are still in pre-spawn is a very hot technique right now. So um, if you have a boat, slow trolling crankbaits um, is catching those pre-spawn fish. So there, as always, Cherry Creek has that lead core bite in the spring. Uh, those fish are down in the mud, feeding on midges, feeding on blood worms. Um, feeding on small shad, so they're really deep. So they're right off bottom of that water. Um, that bite's going strong right now. You can also throw plastics and jigs up on structure, dropping into the basin of that lake. So blade baits are working, swim baits are working. Um, if you are doing that, you're, if you're going to be jigging, you're on the earliest, um, or you're, I should say you're on the, the you're on the beginning stages of pre-spawn fish is probably the way to say it. Um, so the fish are going to be on structure. Once they leave structure, they head to the basin, and then they head to the spawn site. And that's kind of the transition. So um, the fish that are on structure right now probably won't be there for long because they're going to move into the basin on the final stage of their pre-spawn, and they're actually going to move into spawn. Um, so I always go out there. I graph those those shallower sections, see if those fish are there. If they're there, I sort of fix them. If they're not, I move out to the basin, find those fish in the basin, and I'm trolling for those fish. But that bite is going. Um, with that being said, we always match our water temperature, Terry. This is probably one of the biggest questions. I mean, you can get these fish to take a variety of baits, um, but a lot of people get too caught up in speed. Um, and so many anglers are trolling too fast this time of year. Um, when you get out there and that water's cold, you know, and you wake up in the morning, it's, you know, high 30s, low 40s. Um, when the water's that cold, we're trolling at, you know, one mile an hour, 1.1, 1.2. Um, it is a slow troll. And so many people start off going at one, 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 two, and they feel like they're not moving. And it gets in their head, and they bump it up to that one, four, one, five, one, six. Um, and you're simply going too fast for these fish. So right now, I'd say it's about a slower crankbait, and it's at a slow speed. And that's the ideal trick to catching these fish right now. So if I was going out there, you know, your Trey Creeks, your Boyd, your Jackson, uh, trolling cranks right now but at a very slow speed put that bait in front of those fish kind of hold it in front of those fish um and you're going to catch a lot of fish doing so but again it's all about that slower presentation um to catch those fish it's boring but it's going to catch you fish at the end of the day you know i got a couple points i want to run by you um years ago before the gps's became so accurate and you certainly can't use the speedometer on your boat for a one mile or one and a half mile an hour trolling bite because they don't even kick in till you go about five six miles an hour. Yeah. What um are you confident in your GPS now and the accuracy that they have that you can use that for your trolling speed or do you use other techniques? Absolutely, I I, I am a hundred percent confident in my draft. You know, I'm running Lorance products. Um, you know, and and I am. And the biggest thing for me to keep that accuracy, I'm doing a combination of two motors. So if I'm out there trolling right now, I put my kicker motor, so my like nine point nine horse, I put that in gear, which is going to push me at like point seven, point eight. So it's going to get me sixty, seventy percent of the way there. And then I'm actually going to use my bow mount electric 
to, to, to pull as well. So I'm using two motors so I, I get more of a consistent speed so I can hold at 1.1 miles an hour, 1.2 miles an hour. If I just use one motor, um, I have a hard time being consistent. It's kind of bouncing up and down um, just a little bit. It's close, but it's not quite perfect. Uh, if I use two motors, if I push with one and then pull with one, um, I can hold very consistent. And again, if anybody has told lead core, you know how speed dependent it is. Uh, so being able to really fine tune that's going to be able to hold that bait in the zone. If you start changing by two tenths, um, that lead core, you know, speed will rise with, with slowing down will fall. Um, and it gets hard to hold that bait in the zone where if your speed's consistent, um, it's really easy to, to fine tune where that bait is in the water column. You can hold that bait in front of those fish and catch those fish. So it's, it's nice to do. So again, using a technique of pushing and pulling together, um, you know, on top of your grass is really going to help you, you stay on top of those fish and catch more fish. Well, another thing, if you are following a contour line, using your front motor to steer, you have so much more control. That's why people in Minnesota used to back troll all the time. It slowed them down, but it also, they were going in the direction the motor was pulling them. You lock that kicker motor in and just leave it straight and do your steering with your front motor. In fact, with the way the GPSs interact with your front motors now, you can really stay on contour. Oh, you can say you can say an exact path you want to. And again, as you get breezes and winds, you're not losing that bow and you're not overcorrecting with speed uh, with the back end of that motor. So again, you're, you're keeping consistent push in the back, which holds that portion of your boat in place, and then pulling with the front. So again, you get no what we call drift. So no wind drift, no current drift. Uh, your boat is where it needs to be to catch those fish. And again, keeping that bait in the zone. We talk about you. Know, you talk about your your top leading pros in the country. A lot of times, that's what it is. When you have a fish like Cherry Creek where the fish are so well fed. Um, I don't want to say that our fish are picky, uh, but they get used to getting their meal delivered to them on a daily basis. So if you try to make those fish work too hard, especially this time of year where they're well fed, they're thinking about spawn, they're not necessarily crazy aggressive for food um it's the it's the person that can cater those fish the best is going to catch more and bigger fish at the end of the day um so learning to cater those fish is a, is a huge portion um of the puzzle to be successful so again that flawless boat control is going to make everything a little better for your, for your daily catch rate last the last thing nate um somebody called in they said do we know anything about the projected opening for chatfield and what's going on there you know, I, 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 I you saw my Facebook post. I actually had knee surgery on Thursday. I had been checking ice every day up until there. We had a ton of ice on the south end um, as of Thursday morning. Um, I have not checked it to see that. So um, as far as right now, it's kind of in a, in a crazy stage. It has to be 100% ice-free before they can really do anything with that. Now, both boat ramps, um, as far as the water around the ramps, is open. So I know that the park uh, is setting docks and getting prepared for the opening of boating. Uh, but again, the lake does have to be 100% ice-free before that happens. Um, I'll probably do a check here later today uh, when I leave Best Pro, and we'll do a, kind of an ice survey on that. So if everybody wants to check the, the Tightline Outdoors Facebook page, uh, we will do a check on that to know what that is going to be. Uh, but again, it has to be 100% ice-free. With that being said, the second it is ice-free, they are also going to start raising that water level 
immediately. Um, so you're going to start to see that changing um, on a daily basis here coming very soon. Um, they're going to do their best to make it as slow as possible just to where it does not interrupt the walleye spawn that's taking place uh, by CPW. So it's kind of a, a, a good partnership between Corps of Engineers, the park, and CPW. Um, but we're, they're going to kind of do everything in hand. But you will see Chatfield raising very soon, especially on the year where we have the water that we do this time of year. Um, you know, for a normal season, we're starting to get that flow, and they're going to capitalize on it. So you will see that park water rising very quickly coming up. So I would say to anglers out there, trying to keep an eye on that uh, is going to be a big deal. Watching where those fish go, watching the transition, staying on top of those fish um, as this water rises is going to be a, a key to being successful. Uh, so we'll see what that happens. We'll see if they wait until the, the spawn's wrapping up before they really flood it open uh, or how that's going to take place. But again, right now, they're waiting until the ice is 100% off. With that being said, uh, we'll kind of end it with there is a ton of good wall action from shore. I know we're talking about boat fishing, uh, but like at Chatfield right now, all of your points, your points are on the North Boat Dock, your points in the marina. Watch out for, for obviously the nets taking place with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, but there is a ton of low-light jerkbait action. So you can go out there, especially, you know, first thing in the morning, late evening, throwing jerkbaits, working those baits very slow. Uh, I mean, you have got a ton of walleye, both in a pre-spawn and the starting of a spawning state, uh, very aggressive from shore. So again, whether you are on a boat, uh, if it was open or from shore, those walleyes are in the same spot. So everybody kind of has those equal opportunities as those fish move shallow uh, in the evening. So, again, chapter right now, even though it's not open for boating yet, uh, that, that shoreline actually for walleyes is hot right now. So it's definitely a good option for somebody that does not have a boat right now. All right, we're over time. We have to go. One comment I do have to make is that I don't want to hear any whining because I had torn meniscus surgery and I was bowling in eight days. So... So if I could be bowling in eight days and playing basketball in two weeks, you darn well better be fishing very soon. So. I will work on that, Terry. I will work on that. I All appreciate right. it. Good, good luck. Heal up quick, Nate. Thank you so much, sir. Bye All back, right. Soon. Thanks. And Nate Zielinski, great contributor. We love him to death, Nate. Well, we're going to take a quick time out. Another great contributor, uh, Brad Peterson, is going to join us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to go right to the phones and uh, joining us to continue our discussion of, uh, you know, spring fishing is starting. There's different perspectives on it, different locations. And the whole idea is, you know, it's going to be great to get out there. It's uh, something you can do during this time. And uh, joining us to talk some more about it is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, um, a lot of people are panicked. A lot of people, their normal activities have been curtailed. But, uh, you know, you don't have a lot. You don't have to have a lot of social interaction or contact to go fishing. And uh, what a great time of the year to get out and do it. Oh, that's exactly right. You know, they're talking about the social isolation. Well, a lot of fishermen truly appreciate the ability to go out there and do that, not only while this is going on, but uh, just in general, getting some time to yourself. And this is one of the best times of the year to get out there. Not The water is not nearly as crowded. The fish are on a lot of our bodies of water haven't seen a lot of pressure because we didn't have a really good ice season, at least up here in the northeast part of the state. So you've got fish that haven't been pressured. Water's warming. They're starting to get more active. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of at least a few nice weather days coming up here soon. So it's a great time to get out there. Yeah, and we'll get 
you know, we'll get some cold weather. We had some, you know, little flutters of snow yesterday, and we'll get cooler. It's going to warm up. I think it gets back up around 60 here in just a day or two. And we're going to get more of those 60 to 70 days filtered in as we get a go along and less of the cold days. And we'll just see the whole thing progress. The, we talked earlier, the rivers are starting to flow. Um, you know, a lot of the shelf ice is going away. We're still going to have some ice up in the mountains because some places froze really hard. And you got places like Antero and 11 Mile where there's a lot of ice yet. And I hear Granby is still doing okay. There's some slush. But there's there's opportunities for that. But springtime, I love to just throw a spinning rod in the car and bop around to some of the ponds and small lakes. What are you seeing on pond-wise out there? You know, the ponds, a lot of them lost their ice about two weeks ago. And what's happened is CPW has done a lot of trout stocking. So those ponds that get trout, you know, have most of them have been stocked already, whether that's St. Brain or Mead Ponds or, you know, some of the city parks up in Fort Collins and places like that. A lot of those ponds that get trout have been stocked. And then the ponds that don't have trout and the ones that do as well, I'm seeing the, the panfish are starting to get active. They haven't moved shallow quite yet. Um, most of them that I'm catching are still in that six-foot range and the the fish are staying within about a foot of the bottom, and a slower presentation seems to be good. And then as of, you know, midweek, the water seemed to have warmed up, and I'm starting to see some largemouth bass start to cruise the shallows. So people going out and fishing those ponds are able to catch some using slower presentations, you know, jerk baits or, you know, kind of a stick worm type situation, right, wacky style. Um you know, I, I've had real good luck with the uh, the BioBait Stinko this time of year in a bright color, a pink or a white. I like those brighter colors because you're able to see them. And up in the shallow water, a lot of times what you're going to do is, is you may not see the fish bite it, but your white bait may be out there, and all of a sudden it's gone. Well, that's not because, you know, it got too deep. It's because it's inside a fish's mouth. No, you're absolutely right, and there's a lot more of that going on. You know, uh, I think I'm going to take a quick time out, Brad, and we come back. I want to talk about some of the boat ramps that are open and some of the bigger bodies of water that you could also fish from shore. And then we want to talk about the fact that the fishing regulations are up up for some changes, and we'll touch on that. You got, got a minute to hang on with us? Yep. All right, I'll put you on hold, and we'll be right back with Brad Peterson on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You know, I'll bet I'm not going to get to go to that Eagles concert. They'll probably postpone that, too, huh? If I can still listen to their music. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right back to the phones. We were talking local fishing opportunities with Brad Peterson. Brad, we talked about the ponds, and they're just going to get better, and they warm up so much more quickly. But we're starting to see um, a lot of bodies water open for boating and also shore fishing on the bigger lakes. Take us through a few of those and what you're seeing. Yeah, I, uh, up in the northeast, we've got quite a few bodies of water that are open um, for boating. You've got blue heron there at St. Brain. Uh, one thing I did want to mention about St. Brain is the St. Brain uh, fishing experience that was scheduled for next weekend has been canceled. 
So anyone who is thinking about going there uh, that has been canceled, keep your eyes open. Uh, I'm looking at maybe doing a get-together once everything settles down out there for people who want to talk some fishing so they can look on my Facebook page at Brad Peterson Outdoors for information on that. Um, other lakes, we've got Lawn Hagler and Douglas. Both are open for boating. None of those require uh, boat inspections, and they're fishing fairly good. Boyd opened just over a week ago, and uh, the inspections are going on from, I believe it's 8 to 6 there right now. And they're doing really good on walleyes and trout. Uh, the walleye bite, the fish, there's still a few deep fish being caught, but uh, the water's warming up and the fish are starting to move shallow. It, the day they opened the boat ramp, they put 5,000 catchable trout in there so there's opportunities for shore anglers and boat anglers to catch some of those i'd be kind of targeting the shallow water area for them as you head out a little further east jackson open for boating and they are doing inspections at their visitor center from eight to four and there's water running in the lake so or at least there has been and that usually pulls the wipers up in that area. And I do know some people have been out there catching walleyes as well. And then just today, Sterling Reservoir opened for boating on the Elks Ramp, which is the one by the main office, kind of the one a little bit further north. And, you know, people are excited about that one. Sterling has really become one of the true gems out in the northeast region with some really good crappies and walleyes in there. And if I was going to head out there early, you know, I'd, I'd look for the spots that maybe the walleyes are going to spawn. Take a look at those for, for trying the walleyes. And when you're starting to look at the crappies, look for some shallow brush, um, shallower, you know, stuff that's maybe six feet deep, eight feet deep, and fish real slow along there, especially if you can find it in the back of a cove where it's going to warm up a little bit quicker. You can get into some really good crappies. You know, early in the year, they move up to feed on the insects and the minnows who are looking for that warmer water. So I would not, uh, if I was going to do it, I think, you know, chasing crappies might be high on my list right now. And a good way to fish them. Uh, it's just a slip bobber thrown right up against the brush. I, I love doing yep. that because you can keep it right in the strike zone. You can tip it with a minnow or a gulp minnow or a, a, a little tube from bio baits. Uh, there's just a number of baits you can do that with. Or even a fly rod with a floating line and just let it, if you're a good enough caster to get it up there, and just let your leader slowly sink by the brush can be a really effective way. That's very true, and, and one of the ways I like to rig this time of year is I will rig a jig below a float. I'll rig a jig at the bottom with maybe a little bit heavier jig head than I'm used to, maybe an 8-ounce jig head, but with a smaller hook for the crappies, and, and I'll put my plastic on there, and then about a foot above that, I'll put a little dropper out and put a live minnow. So what you have is that live minnow, will attract the fish, and oftentimes they'll bite that first. But as you're fighting the fish with the live minnow, a lot of times you'll pick up that second fish on that jig. And having that jig, that weight right on the bottom, it kind of holds that minnow pinned right there. It's able to move, you know, 
in a uh, maybe an eight inch diameter because usually I got about a four inch dropper on there. So they're able to move, but you can put it right next to that brush. They're able to move around a little bit and draw the attention of the fish and, and get maybe a little bit more reluctant one to strike. But you also have that big, little brighter color action for those more aggressive fish or the chance to pick up a secondary fish. All right, we're going to be out of time here, Brad, but one thing real quick I'd like you to touch on, and that's the fact that there's supposed to be meetings coming up because we're changing the fishing regulations. All those things are very fluid right now. We don't know what's going to happen, but we do want people to comment on what they'd like to see in the regulations. Any idea how they can do that? You know, right now what's going on is we are in our five-year regulation window, so CPW sets their fishing regulations every five years. We're right at the change point. So if people have interest in seeing changes done on bag limits, possession limits, size limits, you know, anything like that, they need to have their voices heard right now because this is when it's going to get set for the next five years. So what I would recommend that people do is to pay attention to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife uh, webpage and Facebook, I'm, I'm sure that you will be posting updates if you hear of meetings, and I will be doing the same. They're going to try to do angler roundtable meetings with the biologists throughout the state. Uh, schedule's kind of fluid as, as all this stuff is getting figured out with how long they want to kind of keep people from congregating in big groups. But I'm sure that if they don't have a lot of those meetings, you can always go email your biologist and let them know. And one of the best ways to find the biologist's email address is if you go to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website, go to fishing, and then go to fishery summaries. And that's where they give you the data on their sampling. On the top of those summaries, usually they have the biologist's name, the phone number, and the email. Right now, a lot of the biologists are going to be really busy with spawning activity, stocking, figuring out all the management. So the best way to reach them, I've found, is through the email right there on those sheets. And it wants to give you a chance to look at, at what's been going on on that body of water, and it may help you give a little bit more uh, concise and well-thought-out uh, recommendation to the biologist. Brad, we got to run, but if people want to get a hold of you? The best way to get a hold of me is either on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors, or they can give me a call at 303-829-3998. All right. My friend, we will be talking to you soon. We need to get out on the water. Yes, we do, Terry. Let's make that happen soon. All right. Thanks. Brad Peterson. We'll take a quick time out. And Ronnie Castiglione from Fishful Thinker will join us right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I'm just listening. I love this. I love this. Dire Straits and that guitar lick. The Sultans. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And as much as I love this song, let's go right to the phones because our good friend Ronnie Castiglione from Fishful Thinker is there to join us. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Mr. Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing okay for an old guy. things could be worse that's for sure yeah you know it's that time of the year where we've been talking a lot of fishing today and but a lot of people's gear has been sitting around all winter and they're getting ready to go and they get to the last minute and 
they get out there and they have a mess, uh, it's a great time to look at the line on your rods and reels, isn't it? It really is, Terry. You know, with this little resurgence of winter, you know, we got that blast of warm weather there and everybody was in a rush to get out. But now that it's cold and we got a little snow last night and all that kind of good stuff, it, you know, today, tomorrow is an excellent time to, to get out there and spend some time servicing your rods, spend some time servicing your reels. And absolutely, this is the time of year that if you have not put fresh line on your reels, uh, you want to go about doing that, Terry. So, you know, a few tips that I want to give. First, let's talk about one of the things that I tell everybody to look at on their rods real fast. Uh, you know, every single year and throughout the year, Terry, I am a huge proponent of looking at the guides on my rods, looking for any damage that are on the guides on my rod, especially that, that guide that's on the tip of your rod there, Terry. That guide on the tip of the rod takes a takes a lot of uh, a lot of damage a lot of times from the line, especially the, the new super lines that a lot of people are using on their rods. Uh, that guy has a tendency to, to get some wear spots in it, some rough spots in it. And, and if you have so much as just a little bit of a nick or a little bit of a rust spot, especially in that top guide, uh, you've got a very good chance of fraying your line as you utilize your line. you got a chance of, of breaking the line off right there when you go to set the hook on a fish. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, it's, I've had a rod that I utilize fluorocarbon on, and, you know, it just seemed like, why is this line giving me fits? Why is this line giving me uh, kind of kinking up? You know, why is it why is it got this line to us? And, and, I, and I, I take a look at that guide, and I'd see that there was some damage on that guide that was imparting all of that damage to the line, Terry. So that's an important tip right there. Uh, you know, as far I, I as reels go, you definitely I, I, want to clean them this time of year, and you want to lube your reels right, you know, this time of year. And a good thing to do if you're not real familiar about how to go about lubing a reel is just get online terry watch a youtube video on, on lubing a spinning reel or lubing a casting reel uh, you'll see a lot of really good instructional videos out there on how to go about doing that so that's a real good tip and then the real big one that i wanted to talk about terry was putting line on your reels this time of year it is very very important to spool up new line this time of year especially if you're utilizing things like mono or straight fluorocarbon on your rods you absolutely want to get some fresh stuff on your rods this time of year and so it's an important thing to go about doing that, Terry. Well, and a lot of people choose different lines for different applications. And you and I could talk line and we could bring uh, Chad in with us. And the three of us might not even agree, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. There's different ways we approach it. I do have a confession to make, though, Ronnie. I I file a nick into the tip of your rod guides when we fish together so you break <laughs> off so I can outfish you. I didn't want you to know that. But I just, I know, you know, it, it, that's a great tip and a, a good way to check for those nicks is use a Q-tip. Take a Q-tip, go around your rod guide. If there's a rough spot, it'll catch the cotton in the Q-tip. But when yeah. you approach, you and I look at, uh, we don't use the same applications all the time. doesn't mean one is better or worse. We just approach it differently. So tell me about the lines you like to spool up and what you look for. Well, you know, I mean, most of my rods either have straight fluorocarbon on them or, or have braid on them, Terry. There's definitely some some tips to impart that are important when you're you were trying to put those lines onto a reel. So if we're talking about spinning reels especially, spinning reels give people a lot of fits, uh, especially with fluorocarbon, Terry. Um, but one of the big things that you want to pay attention to when you're putting just fluorocarbon or especially mono onto a spinning reel is you want to make sure you're loading it onto the reel properly. So, uh, you know, what I mean by that is this. When when you're when you're utilizing that filling that filler spool, um, you don't want that to be coming off the top or the bottom of that spool, Terry. You want that to be coming off the side of the spool as it goes onto the spinning reel. So uh, you know uh, most spinning reels. 
the proper way to have the line coming off the filler spool is for it to be coming off in a counterclockwise direction. Now, there are a few spinning reels out there on the market that kind of spin in opposite direction, so you want to flip that over and go the other way. But for the most part, you're looking for the line to be coming off the side of the spool towards the spinning reel and coming off in a counterclockwise direction, and then it gets spooled on in a clockwise direction onto that spinning reel. That's important because lines like braid, line like fluorocarbon, you get a lot of line memory that gets onto those lines as they are on that, that, that filling spool, Terry. And if you put them on the wrong way, it's going to want to jump off that reel every time you go out and utilize it. So making sure directionally you're putting it on the right way is very, very important. Now, with fluorocarbon and mono, you do want to apply some tension as well to the line as you put it on the reel. I usually utilize uh, something like a soft leather glove or like a leather gardening glove, something like that, Terry. And I just kind of pinch the fluorocarbon between my thumb and my forefinger. You don't want to put a whole ton of tension when you're, util- when you're filling with fluorocarbon or with mono, but you do want to have some tension, Terry, no doubt about it. Um, now, on the flip side, let's say you're putting braid on one of your reels, Terry. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily as big a deal to have the braid coming off directionally on the filler spool the right direction because braid really doesn't have any memory to it. You know, some braids have a little bit of memory to them, but most of them really don't. So, But I still go about that procedure and usually have it coming off counterclockwise and having it come off the side of the spool, Terry. What's very, very important with braid, however, is that especially on spinning rods and on casting rods as well, when you're putting a braid on, you want to put that braid on with an extreme amount of tension, Terry. You want to put it on with about as much tension as that you can apply to that braid without breaking the braid or having it cut through your gloves, Terry. Um, You know, when I'm putting it on my spinning reel, I I tighten the drag all the way down to basically locking it down when I go to fill. And I I take that same soft leather glove, but I don't just pinch it between my, my thumb and my forefinger. I weave it between all of my fingers so that it's kind of going between my pinky and my ring finger and then back up and then between my thumb and my, my thumb and my forefinger, Terry. Um, that really implies a lot of tension as you go to put that on there, and that's very, very important. If you don't have that tension on that braid, then as you utilize that braid over time, you're going to make casts with it, and it's going to pull that slack line up and off, and that's how you get a lot of those wind knots that people get when they utilize braid on spinning gear, Terry. No, you're absolutely right. Those are awesome tips. And one other thing I want to make sure people realize that you're getting your rods and reels ready now, but if you're using mono, strict mono, a few months from now or even sooner, you got to put new mono on. Fluorocarbon, you can go a little longer. It's not as susceptible to moisture and UV. And super lines, you can probably go the whole season or maybe a couple. But you got to be checking that line all the time. And we got about maybe a minute left, Ronnie, and I've gone to mostly two setups, and I think you kind of did the same thing. On my spinning reels especially, I'm using a super line with a fluorocarbon leader, maybe a mono leader if it's a surface lure, or maybe no leader at all. And then when I'm doing things like drop shotting or jigging close to the boat, I go to straight fluorocarbon so that I keep that bow out of my line. What are you approaching those with? Yeah, Terry, you know, if it's any kind of, uh, we're talking about spinning reels, if it's any kind of really reaction-style bait, baits that I really have to impart a lot of action to, something like a jerk bait or maybe like a blade bait or something like that, a lot of times I'm going to prefer the braid with the fluorocarbon leader in those scenarios. 
Um, definitely when I'm going to more finesse presentations, like a drop shot or like a uh, just a jig, which I utilize a lot, um, I, I prefer just the straight fluorocarbon and maybe six or eight pound test at the most kind of a deal, Terry. There's a few reasons for that. You know, yes, you, you don't get the line floating on the water. You get kind of a direct line of sight to the presentation. Um, I also feel like I get more bites when I utilize just straight fluorocarbon as opposed to braid with a fluorocarbon leader, but that could just be in my head, Terry. Um, one of the other big reasons is that, you know, when you're utilizing braid or when you're utilizing a jig or something like that that you're bouncing and dragging on the rocks, you're going to get hung up and you're going to break off a lot of times, Terry. There's just no way around it. And if you're not getting snagged, you're not doing it right. So, you know, just the fact that I have to tie a lot of knots with the braid and the fluorocarbon leader when I'm going to retie something like a drop shot or when I'm going to retie a jig on, um, you know, if I just use the straight fluorocarbon, I just feel like I'm, I'm a lot quicker. I, you know, I have to tie a lot less knots. I'm a lot more efficient. And it's kind of the same deal with clients, Terry. However, I, you know, with a lot of clients I get out on the boats, they have a lot less experience as far as jigging a lot of times. And, and really, they struggle to feel the bites on something like a drop shot or they struggle to feel the bites on a tube jig, that sort of a thing. Um, so with them, a lot of times I do go ahead and go to the braid and the fluorocarbon leader. And it really has more to do with the fact that they're going to feel the every little thing that's going on and they're going to feel those strikes and they're not going to be gut hooking fish or missing fish because they're just missing the strikes, Terry. Ronnie, we are out of time, but great, great information. Let's you and I get together soon and we will talk to you, if not in a couple weeks. All right, buddy. Be safe. Have a good one. All right. Well, you folks out there, be safe too. And remember, tune in every Saturday and get outside. You don't have to be social contact to go fishing or a hike and We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and sports on 104.3 The Fan.